And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable. The most honorable. The most audible. Hold the applause. Like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Welcome to... Podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined as always by the kid, the god, the legend, Celtics beat reporter from the Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And I know it's been a while since the Potable Boys have checked in. I don't think we've had a podcast since the Malcolm Brogdon trade and the Gallinari signing. Um, hand up. That's on me. I did. Uh, I have not watched that much summer league. Uh, you know, I got a, a real person job now. I got clients. I got to uh, take care. I didn't watch that much summer league, so there wasn't much to podcast about. I'll but, tell you what, you though, know, I, you sounded jacked up to to be back. Oh, you, well, you I got always s- have a lot of enthusiasm at the start, but even by your standards, that was intense. Well, you know what? I I do have a lot of energy. I'm glad to be back, and I think. The the reason is is because you know I, I had a, a chance run in with the king of kaizen himself the pobo as many would call it um, Brad Stevens me and Brad Stevens the pobo you know, president of basketball operations that's pobo these days <laughs> I mean that's is that what the kids are saying Presbaluski <laughs> yes the Presbaluski of basketball operations the Presbo yeah, Presbo actually works better, but all right, it wasn't it wasn't a chance run in. You have to tell me if this is uh, sicko behavior, J King. So I the other day I got a text from my uh, girlfriend who said she just biked past Brad Stevens, who was like at a at a park near my house watching, uh, presumably watching one of his kids play soccer, and so I. I was like, oh, I, I sometimes shoot basketball around that park. Maybe I'll just go and take the ball out and, and shoot around. And maybe I'll see if, if Brad's there. So I got my basketball and uh, got out there. was walking towards the park. just was like working on my, uh, you know, working on my handles, working on my left. And, uh, you know, ran into Brad. Uh, am I a stalker? Your thoughts? That is so creepy, honestly. <laughs> I thought, you know, it definitely was. It's not a cool guy thing to do. That is bizarre. Uh, did you talk to him? Yeah, he recognized me. He said, hey, Sam, what's going on? I said, hey, Brad, uh, you caught up a bit. We mostly talked about justice, as uh, one does uh, you, with Brad did, Stevens. <laughs> justice Winslow or like justice, justice? No, no, criminal justice. Uh, he was asking what I was doing for the summer. I let him know. We talked about like public defense. Um, you know, just uh talked about, you know, the kind of blaring statistics that really Did made he know that for... you showed up only to talk to him? 
I think he knew. I think he could tell, but he didn't mention it because he was a polite guy. So you just show, showed up at a children's While dribbling a basketball. Game. While dribbling a basketball. I was dribbling. Was, oh, you're out here working on your handles. And I was. Oh, I, I mean, so, I did. So he, so he thought you were, just, you were just there to shoot around when really you yeah. were there to, to stalk him at a child soccer game? Well, I mean, I did. I did both. I comp. I went to shoot around after after I spoke with the Pobo, but yeah, I mean, I think I uh, I could do both. I uh, I'm a professional sports fan, Jay. I may not have watched all of summer league, so there's a knock on my record for that. But I did stalk Brad Stevens, and I would like to give myself credit. I did not ask him any questions about the Evan Fournier uh, trade exception, which. As I say it now, really undercuts any sort of journalistic integrity uh, I I possibly could have because it was the day that it was expiring. But no, we just had a, a kind of a casual conversation about uh, criminal justice and then my four-on-four men's league basketball uh, game that I was preparing for that night. Now people are going to be fuming that Brad, on the day he could have been calling everyone about the Evan Fournier trade exception, was watching children's soccer. His own child, not just anyone. He was watching his own child soccer. It doesn't but yeah, matter. He didn't. Doesn't matter. He, he didn't he seem could, to be wheeling and dealing. GMs around the league. <laughs> yes, if that's if that's if people want to be furious about that, then that's well within their rights. Yes, he wasted the Evan Fournier seventeen million dollar trade exception uh, and didn't add uh, the eleventh man to that the the Celtics roster that they so desperately need. Were you a little disappointed that they didn't use that? Or were you just kind of expecting that they wouldn't use that and you're cool with it? Because it's a pretty big tool. It was, but it like it it takes two to tango and another team has to be have a guy that they're willing to part with and who like I don't know who you're gonna necessarily bring in at this point that makes sense with this roster, with this core. You have Brogdon, you have Derek White. They're both those guys are making a decent amount of money to be bench players for a number of years moving forward. It's not like there's a lot of one year or two year guys in the fifteen million dollar range that I think you can target with that deal that you're gonna bring in. They're gonna have to extend Grant Williams or they have an opportunity to do so soon. Like I they are paying the tax and seemingly William paying the tax next year, but I just don't know who that guy was who automatically comes in, and I think you you recently wrote about this for The Athletic, just about how much more depth this Celtics team has, and now instead of having an eight-man rotation, they have a 10-man rotation. Who are they going to get with that trade exception? That is, I just don't think there's anyone who's automatically in the top eight. And sure, you can probably get a guy maybe in ninth or 10th who's better than Gallinari or Peyton Pritchard, hypothetically, but I just don't know who that guy was. Like, I don't know who that who that perfect target was that they could have used that trade exception on. Yeah, and as I looked at possible trade exception targets, even before the Brogdon trade, it became clear that it was going to be very tough for the Celtics to get someone who fit the style that they wanted to play, which is defense first, and which is size at every perimeter position, and which is just complementing Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown with everybody else on the roster. And so I ended up like, I, I do that stupid exercise every year where I pretend to be, it used to be Danny Ainge. Now it's Brad Stevens. The where Pobo. I pretend, 
to be the presbo and and make decisions for the offseason. And I actually ended up with Luke Kennard. And Luke Kennard clearly would not have been defense first. And and I think so the Celtics, like I did, looked around and they, they kind of realized, okay, guys under $17.1 million, like there's not a lot of great fits. And I think after they moved Daniel Tice, they could have gone after a big, but I asked around about Jakob Pertl and apparently like he just wasn't available. The the Spurs valued him highly. They they wanted to hold on to him. Um and so I asked about Duncan Robinson and I was told the, the Miami Heat intend to keep him. Um I asked around about a number of different players and it was just like there weren't many options <laughs> for for guys that the Celtics could target. And that would have been realistic. And then so so they looked at it and thought Malcolm Brogdon is better than all these guys. And I think that was right. I think that was the right calculation. And then once you spend a first to get Malcolm Brogdon, the market is shrinks even further because now you don't want to give out another first because you still want to have in the future all your firsts to just in case someone comes around that you want to load up a big offer for. Uh, and so I, I and on top of that, like you said, it's just it just would have been tough to find a player who would have played significant minutes right now their sixth seventh and eighth guys are probably Malcolm Brogdon Grant Williams and Derek White Derek White yeah and and like those those guys are good like Derek White is good <laughs> Grant Williams is good it, it's it's tough to find somebody better than that especially if you're not going to give up a first round pick like at that point it's almost impossible so I, I get why the Celtics stayed pat, um, and I think it, it made sense to stay pat based on the possibilities that would have been available to them, which would have been pretty bleak. So the other thing that's interesting to me is, like, what, what is the hole you're trying to fill in this roster? With Like, they don't have Tice, and so their center rotation, I guess, is Robert Williams, who obviously has never been the most durable guy, Al Horford, who is, let's see if he can, you know, continue being the fountain of youth, but he's coming off playing the most amount of games he's ever played in a season. Not a lot of guys you can play at the five after that. I know at the intro kind of press conference for Danilo Gallinari, uh, they said that he could probably get some back. Is that how you're going to always say it or just, just <laughs> I'm early? just trying it out. I bet, like, if the people like it, I certainly enjoyed saying Danilo Gallinari. But can he play center? <laughs> like, is he a stretch? Five? Like, he's certainly big enough. He is a giant man. He is 6'11". He offers you a kind of pick-and-pop threat where you got you have to play him on the three-point line because he can knock down threes. But in terms of rim protection, in terms of, like, the captain of your defense, is that the guy you're comfortable being your third-string center? Like, that's clearly, I think, the hole on this Celtics roster. But... I guess how comfortable should the Celtics be with just kind of those three guys as the like only pure fives on the on the roster? I guess you can't even call Danilo Gallinari a pure five, but like that's that's clearly where they would target if they're going to make any additions, right? Uh, yeah, they they certainly know that center is not their greatest position, and they also know that 
with Al Horford's age and Robert Williams' injury history, the backup center could be pretty important. I think there's a like the Celtics believe that Luke Cornett can play minutes. They they, they think he can be not just like the end of the bench guy that he was last year, but that if he has to play the Daniel Tice role and be a spot starter sometimes and play behind Horford and Robert Williams sometimes, that that'll be okay. And that that won't be the worst thing ever. Uh, So I think that's part of their calculation right now. The other part is just like look around at the possible centers that are available right now. Not great. Um, I don't think there's necessarily a rush for the Celtics to move on a good backup center. Like they, they can wait till the trade deadline or close to the trade deadline and use one of their remaining trade exceptions, which I believe are $6.9 million and $5.9 million and find a backup center that way. Like that'd be like, if you flip a second round pick for a decent backup center at the deadline, that's, that's fine. Um, and then you have Luke Cornett before that or Gallinari at the five, which I do think they're toying with that idea. And Gallinari at the five obviously would be like pretty bad defensively. <laughs> like that wouldn't be great defensively. But you can put enough defenders around him that I think you could convince yourself like it would be okay. In the regular season, having Gallinari at the five, Grant Williams at the four, some co- combination of like Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, and Tatum or Brown or Smart, like, there's just a lot of good defenders around him. So it would be okay. It wouldn't be great. It wouldn't be ideal. It wouldn't be a perfect defensive team, but he's going to give you a, a different element offensively. Cause not only can he shoot, but he can pulverize dudes in switches and just crush dudes in the post. Every time I watch Danilo Gallinari, I'm like, that motherfucker is just enormous. <laughs> like he's huge. Um, and so so I think that's another piece of it, too, is like whatever you would be giving up defensively if you do play him at the five, there would be a ton of space for the guards to create for Malcolm Brogdon, for Derek White, for whoever else in that second unit to to really, you know, have a lot of room off the bounce and make plays. And so I I think if they go into the regular season with the center situation they have now. And Cobb and Gailey should be in there. I know you didn't watch Summer League, but he looked good in Summer League. And he's a huge I'm, dude. I'm glad you, you said his last name first because I had no idea how to pronounce it. And I was uh, worried about Do you know, about that, do you know yeah. how to pronounce his first name? I don't even know his first name, Jay. I believe it's Fiundu. Fiundu. Fiundu Cobb and Gailey? Yes. He I, he like was that. putting up some monster stat lines, and I saw some explosive dunks from him. Yeah, and he's a former first round pick who just kind of needed a little while to to learn the ropes. Um, but he he he's got pretty good feet. He can shoot the three a little bit, and he's huge, enormous, and offensive rebounded like a motherfucker in summer league. So, I think with the options they have now, the Celtics. I don't know if they'd be comfortable heading into a playoff series with the group that they have now, especially if Robert Williams or Al Horford had to miss time. Like Daniel Tice was important last season in the playoffs. He started five games in the playoffs. And I think it's pretty, not like super high percentage that 
whoever's their backup center starts in the playoffs, but it's certainly on the table. Robert Williams has not been able to stay on the court. Al Horford's 36. So like that that backup center is is important. But I think from a regular season standpoint, if the Celtics go into the regular season with the centers they have now, like it's okay, right? I mean, I think the Brogdon addition and just like the the greater depth that they have, and I, you can say Gallinari as well, you would hope that they can play a little bit smaller, at least in the regular season, and get away with it. And maybe that's the type of thing where you can limit Al Horford's minutes. I know they really liked, and the numbers backed up, the, the two big lineup with Horford at power forward. But given how many wing, how like their wing depth right now and guard depth, where they could run... Malcolm Brogdon, White, Smart, Tatum, and Brown, four of those five guys with one of the centers. And I don't think it's like an immediate solution, but it's just an opportunity to maybe perhaps limit Al Horford's nightly minutes, uh, maybe limit uh, Robert Williams' nightly minutes. It wasn't something they could do in the playoffs because they kind of needed both of those guys. And actually, one of the sneaky things uh, about the Celtics in the playoffs is they really struggled uh, with the Al Horford at center minutes. And so... I do think they're going to eventually need some sort of uh, option, but if it's, I I saw some moments from Cornette. Um, I've immediately forgotten how to pronounce the the new two way guy's name, so I'm not even going to try. But I think there are definitely options uh, in the regular season, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Celtics they have all this depth, but they had a, like the the great run they had towards the end of last season, that like kind of three-month stretch, they were super healthy, especially when Marcus Smart came back up until that Robert Williams injury. Uh, you know, the NBA season's wildly unpredictable, and injuries happen every year. It's to the front court is not just like something they can really uh, afford because I think it's going to uh, – they're definitely going to struggle there uh, if there are any injuries. But I do think they have, like right now uh, – a very, very good regular season roster. And I would say still good playoff roster – it's just if there's any injuries in that front court, uh, that's like clearly the area of weakness. Yeah. And, and like, let's stress if they're healthy, it's totally fine because Al Horford and Robert Williams will just split the center minutes and play together sometimes. And you're fine. Like, you don't need to use any other center. They sometimes use Daniel Tyson in the playoffs when those two guys were healthy for whatever reason, but they didn't need to. That it was not essential to have Daniel Tice when those other two guys were healthy and they weren't all the time and they may not be all the time. And that's obviously something you've got to plan for. But, and then the other, the other potential weakness I see, uh, one of the potential weaknesses I see, there's not a lot of pure wing depth. Like there wasn't last year either. And it was fine. Um, but, like beyond on the bench right now, the guys that will probably play will be Gallinari, Grant Williams, both of whom are probably power forwards or most of the time should be power forwards. And then Brogdon and Derek White, who are both guards. Like there's there's no backup wing right now, which is fine. Like I, I think they'll be able to have a great defense. I think a number of those guys are great defenders regardless. Um, but it's just, they, in a, in a league that really prioritizes wings, they have two really great ones. Uh, 
but they don't have a lot behind those guys unless Sam Hauser really is ready for minutes. And he might be. I don't know. They they really hype that guy up. He can certainly shoot the f- piss out of the basketball. But if he's not ready, they don't have like that six seven six eight guy to play behind Tatum and Brown. They just don't. And you know we're like nitpicking now because it's like, what do the Celtics do if the players get injured? Because you're like, if if Tatum and Brown are healthy, oh, they are the, super deep. They are super. Deep. And not having wing depth is like no big deal because the both those guys play 35 minutes and it's fine. But you're right. Like they didn't they didn't really have wing depth last year. They had Aaron Neesmith, who uh, did not do much for the team. My question is. We talk about Sam Hauser. We talk about Luke Cornett. We talk about uh, what's his name, the new center, the, the two way guy, Cobb Gelly. Cobb Gelly. Everyone's talking about Cobb Gelly. Is there any chance that Ime Udoka plays any of them? I did he like <laughs> he played an eight man oh. roster last year, like partly out of necessity, but it's not like he was like dying to go to his deep bench at all just to develop anyone. It didn't feel like he was just like really putting in those early season minutes, like making sure this guy gets his six six minutes here and there just because we need to get him the reps. Like that just doesn't seem like what Ime's doing. I want to see if Ime changes because I think that possibility exists based on how much Brad Stevens has stressed that the Celtics need to rest guys and need to be fresher in the playoffs. Um, and also, the second half of last season, they were fighting for their lives for a while, and then they were fighting for their seeding. And, like, till the last day of the regular season, literally the last day of the regular season, seeds were up in the air. And home court was up in the air, going to Toronto or whatever was up in the air. Uh, so, so Ime didn't really have a lot of chances to rest guys, chances to, to show that he can go deeper into the rotation. And quite frankly, by the end of the season, the end of their rotation was no good. Like they had five guys who just weren't like quality NBA players that Ime was not comfortable with putting in the game. And, and maybe he could have put in other guys like Neesmith, like Hauser. But when you got to the end of the Celtics bench, there just wasn't a lot. Um, so I want to see if he changes. I want to see if if he actually goes with the organizational line of everybody needs to rest and and whether he's willing to like sacrifice regular season wins to do that. And I think it's important. I, I think it's important that he may – starts to develop the second half of the roster. I like Peyton Pritchard as the roster stands right now might be out of the rotation entirely. But he's a good young player and I there will be some some value in giving him minutes here and there and putting him in the rotation here and there and sitting some some guys here and there. Uh so I, I do wonder whether E-May will change a little bit, especially if they get off to a good start, if they're, you know, 20 and four because they basically bring the same team back that was awesome at the end of last season. They add two legitimately good players. Gallinari is toward the end of his career. Who knows what they'll get from him, but Brogdon is 
a 20 something year old point guard who led the Pacers in scoring last season. Like there's a chance that they could just get off to a great start. And if they do, I'm interested to see whether he just spreads the minutes around, plays more guys, makes sure guys are fresh. Like he he came from the San Antonio culture where Greg Popovich obviously was the first guy to to really make a priority out of resting guys, out of making sure that guys are fresh for the playoffs. And so that's where Ime Odoka learned the most probably in his career. But last year, you're right. It was just eight guys, sometimes nine. And he was just going to ride with his guys. But I do think there's other factors, including how bad they were at the start, including the lack of depth that they had beyond those eight or nine guys. That And, and one of them, one of those guys that Udoka didn't trust last year is Luke Cornett, who might be the primary backup center. So, so we'll see, man. We'll see. I mean, another part of it is Ime is like in his first season and is trying to win. And, but I think like you watch the finals, the Celtics were clearly a kind of a tired team, a fatigued team, especially Jason Tatum. Can, can like, we talk about you, Grant Williams's comments? Uh, we can, we can talk about the greatest thing Grant Williams ever said. Uh, which is that he watched uh, Kelly Olynyk highlights before Game Seven, and then not went out there and he channeled Kelly Olynyk. There's nothing, nothing more music to my ears than channeling Kelly Olynyk and then going out and knocking down what was it, seven threes? How many threes did he hit in Game Seven? I can't even remember. Seven for nineteen was it? Seven <laughs> he for was chucking <laughs> something like that. Uh, but yeah, he uh, his comments that the Celtics were the better team in the finals but the Warriors were the more disciplined team. Nah, bro. Nah, it's bro. Almost, it completely ignores the idea that like discipline is a part of like how you engage which team is better. Uh, but it's some, it's like such athlete extreme self-confidence talk. Like I feel like every athlete when they lose has to convince themselves that they were still the better team, but it was like, they just made mistakes. It wasn't the, the other team that beat them. Uh, and it's just, Pure, I would say it's poppycock. The, the Warriors were clearly the better team in that finals, but if that's what Grant Williams needs to tell himself to uh, to kind of you know be able to deal with the situation, um, then that's what he has to tell himself. But that is just uh, wildly inaccurate. It's it's just delusional chatter, <laughs> delusional. They they were down twenty five at home in an elimination game. What more do you need to see to to admit that the Warriors? Whether it was because they were disciplined, whether it was because they were more talented, whether it was because they just had Stephen fucking Curry, they were the better team. And they were clearly the better team. They won the last three games of the series, including two in Boston. Like, why? <laughs> I, just, I just don't see the upside of going out and saying that. Even if you believed it in your heart and you thought you're the better team than the Warriors, what is the upside of saying that? Uh, just, you get just talked a, about on a Celtics podcast. I guess that's true. We we are talking about Grant Williams and his comments on a Celtics. Podcast. I mean, I was he, I he was only on Duncan Robinson's him. podcast. By the way, that is that's fair. I was going to only praise him for his Kelly Olynyk talk, but then yeah, like we had to had to criticize him for really just a nonsense take. That do you think well, he really watched say- Kelly Olynyk? 
tape or or just made that up post post his eruption i i had not even considered the fact that he could have made that up but like like do you think he was really in it's his, a very in front cool of his locker thing to say. an hour before the game like airpods in volume up just watching kelly olenek highlights do you think he had the video guys cut together a specific like kelly olenek package where it's like all his threes from that game I know. Uh, I remember Isaiah found, just, Thomas found him underneath a couple times. Just purely positional defense and threes, <laughs> or just like ripping out Kevin Love's uh, shoulder from its socket. Or do you think it was just a game hey, seven? Hey, like, hey. Why do you, why you got to bring in the lower Kelly Olynyk moments? We're here for yeah, highlights because I'm I'm not I'm a tr- I'm a truther. I'm objective, and you got to talk about the full the totality of man. That is the king of Kamloops, Kelly Olynyk. Have you ever been to Kamloops, Jay? Because I have. I went to the Kamloops Zoo. You were probably stalking Kelly Olynyk. You probably got a call from your your girl that that Said Kelly Olynyk was uh, at the in Kamloops town. Zoo. Yeah, and then you went off know. riding your bike to Kamloops, Canada, which would be a long yeah. bike ride. That's <laughs> British Columbia. It's a far way away. Uh, but there was no statue to Kelly Olynyk in Kamloops, which is unfortunate. Um. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. What else happened in Summer League? This is the first time in a while I haven't been to Summer League. All I saw was that it was 110 degrees out, and J.D. Davidson scored like 30 points against the Memphis Grizzlies team. I don't know anyone else on the Summer League roster for the Celtics, so tell me what your impressions of J.D. Davidson were. Um, the man can jump and the man can pass. He's, he's, I saw some highlights of him making some pretty good passes, but he's the only other guy who's like, he's the other two-way. He's the only other guy who's definitely going to be on the Celtics roster. What was your impression of him out there in Vegas? He is definitely raw. Uh, he shot pretty well in Vegas, but I'm not convinced he's a shooter. The uh, The thing that's most intriguing about him is just the combination of like the court vision he showed with all those assists. And and they weren't all easy assists. It was like he was running a pick and roll, getting a guy on his back, like running in control, setting up, setting it up so Cabin Gelly could slam home a dunk. Um, he was like he definitely has a long way to go 
as a guy who will be in charge of an NBA offense, but he does some cool shit on both ends of the court too. It, and it was the blocks. It was the like he he stayed in plays. He he showed competitiveness. Um, he's clearly a, a plus athlete for his position. And so when you put all that together with the size at point guard and everything else, like there's a chance he'll be okay one day. And I, I don't know if I'm willing to go further than that. Um, he is a guy who just got picked in the 50s. The Celtics, I mean, the Celtics, did you see the tweet that they put out about J.D. Davison today? I did. Oh, no, it was today. I did not. So, I mean, this this guy, like, he's he's probably sitting there thinking, like, yeah, I'm an NBA player, even though it's a two-way contract. Like, he's probably sitting there thinking, like, yeah, I'm an NBA player. I got 50 games at least, to 50 games to play with the Celtics. The Celtics tweet out 41 assists in five games. I emoji, good luck trying to contain Maine Celtics' new playmaker. Yeah. <laughs> Like, just let let the guy live the NBA dream for a little while, you know? Like, don't don't just be so eager to send him to the G League. Let let him rock out a little bit. Um, but obviously, with that being the, said, he's gonna be in the G League. Like, he's not. Yeah, playing of course. Over Peyton there, there's there's no play. There there might not be room for Peyton Pritchard to play. Never mind JD Davison. So, yeah, he. Uh, but he he was. He was pretty impressed. He was more impressive than I thought he would be after watching the Alabama tape, for sure, hundred percent. And and he's come a long way since Alabama, which I think is a good sign that he's put in the work since the college season. Um, and like you can tell when a guy's work pays off, and, and he was definitely at another level than he was at Alabama, for sure. Is there anyone else you want to talk about? You want some Broderick Thomas talk? A little Matt Ryan talk? Matt Ryan Matt Ryan played some played a couple of games before he got hurt. I mean, he hit the game winner, uh, got some got teary-eyed. People sometimes say I look like Matt Ryan, which I don't understand, but no, I don't really want to talk about Matt Ryan or Broderick Thomas. One of Thomas. my brothers they... actually looks like Matt Ryan. Well, do I look like one of your brothers? No. No, you don't look like Matt Ryan. Um but are you, any of those guys going to be on, Ryan? Are, is he going to be on the Celtics roster? Is he going to be filling out? Is he spot number 13? I don't know. Uh, but well, I want to talk about whoever the guys on the roster are who are going to be the, in the Malik Fitz bench celebration mode. And so I if think, you can give I me think, any guidance I to think who that Matt is. Matt Ryan, Broderick Thomas, and Justin Jackson could all have a chance to be on the actual Celtics. Well, what so, are they? What are they bringing to the table, Jay King? You tell me. Matt Ryan can really shoot that thing. He can just shoot like that Sam Hauser can. But Matt Ryan has more shot versatility than Hauser. Like Hauser is a better shooter; he'll shoot a higher percentage. But Matt Ryan is like like come off screens and fire. Like guy in his face doesn't really matter; just fire. Uh, like he is not shy about letting that thing go, and. And I didn't. I'd never really seen him play. Like I'd seen him play at Notre Dame. I'd seen him play on tape, but I'd never really seen him play play before summer league. And it is abundantly clear that that man can really shoot the fuck out of it. So that's interesting. I don't know if he can guard anyone. Um, 
but his combination of size, he's like six seven, and shot is gives him a chance to to float around the league. Um and gives him a chance to earn a roster spot. Broderick Thomas is like six seven. He he made a lot of hustle plays, which I appreciated. They 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 ran him at point guard in the first game, and that was a bad, bad idea. Uh they kind of just set him up for failure. He got stripped like three or four times. It was ugly. But other than that, like he's got good size for a guard wing. He he can do a lot of things, and he he really made some hustle plays in Vegas. And then Justin Jackson, former fifteenth pick from North Carolina, a little bit on the old side for summer league. I think he's twenty seven. I could be wrong there, but just really knows how to play the game. Can shoot, has size, another wing. I don't think any of those guys will like make a difference for the Celtics this season. But I do think if they are just filling out the roster and adding a 13th 14th or 15th guy like those guys would all be okay so it sounds like they got a bunch of guys who are could play on the wing but are not great who are probably not going to play but they played in summer league who was the summer league coach this year ben Sullivan. is he on the roster is he is he a backup bench guy getting his first chance uh to be a front of bench guy Ben Sullivan is one of the coaches that was on Ime Odoka's staff from the beginning and <laughs> was already front of bench. Well, what are they even doing here? You got the summer league, you gotta give the back of bench guy a chance. And I'm not saying that because I'm pissed off Nick Friedman wasn't the Charlotte Hornets uh summer league coach. Um that's the other I guess the other thing that happened with the Celtics that we, we haven't talked about Will Hardy leaving. Uh, to coach the Jazz, I can tell you I have no idea what kind of impact that will have on the Celtics. I do know he was the lead assistant. I do know that uh, he was a big part of what the Celtics do, but I can't tell you what he specifically did, whether or not he was like the offensive coordinator, whether defensive coordinator. I don't even know if they had offensive defensive coordinators like that. You were more connected. You knew uh, what uh, Will Hardy did. What do you think his absence does and who do they like bump up to kind of replace him in that coaching hierarchy? I think his absence is pretty important. He clearly had Ime Odoka's ear. Ime, you know, sought him out from San Antonio to to fill out his staff. And like he he's really sharp. And obviously he's 34 years old, as old as the kid, and coaching a, the head coach of an NBA franchise. So he's a really sharp dude. He knows his stuff. Um, if you ever watched like timeouts, he always had Ime Odoka's ear. And you could tell Ime listened to him quite a bit and valued his opinion very seriously. So I, I think it, it's a it's a big, big loss for the Celtics. I don't know how much it will impact things. Um but like Will Hardy is a sharp dude and having sharp dudes like that in your organization is always for the best. Uh, so yeah, but he may, was kind of like from the start, he may, he may just, he just wants to have his guys around, man. Like he, he built a good staff for sure. But his thing was like, I, I don't need anyone with head coaching experience. He didn't get anyone with head coaching experience in the NBA. Um, he didn't 
want like a or need a like super veteran someone who's been around the league forever he just kind of had confidence in his own abilities uh but yeah hardy's a hardy's a big loss that that dude he knows his stuff and he's he's really good the jazz got a good one I've, i've officially run out of my celtics topics i don't know what else to to talk about you didn't even uh, want to talk about summer league players. You just didn't want to hear it. Well, the, this team made the finals. If they're if they're looking to the summer league roster to try and boost their like that's just not. It feels like in the past summer league was much more important when you needed like a you wanted to see a younger guy. You like needed to see what Romeo Langford looked like because it was important for the upcoming season. Once you make the finals, do you think anyone any Warriors fan was? I guess uh, actually, it's a terrible argument because James Wiseman was playing. But there's no one like and that. Also Kaminga and also Moody. They, like, they... Yeah, that's a, that a bad example on my part. Uh, and I immediately regretted it. But you get the general gist of it. It's like there's some years summer league's important to some teams. And this is not a Celtic. This wasn't a Celtic summer league year. I, I just, I, I had no reason to get excited about it. Yeah, no, it, it was not a Celtic summer league year. It was very much <laughs> not a Celtic summer league year. Normally... There's just so much juice around the summer league roster. This year, there wasn't much juice except Stool Greeny. Stool Greeny kept the he tried to single handedly keep the juice alive. He goes every year. He keeps his uh, his running, you know, tally of the rankings. Uh, uh, everyone there, but it just you know it wasn't. I couldn't get into it this year. And you know what, Stool Greeny's maybe a better professional sports fan than I. I'll I'll hand up that guy's. Uh, uh, he's kind of insane, but you know what? I just, I'll, I'll be honest with you when I, when I didn't watch the games and I didn't watch the game. So I don't want to pretend here and act like I got Matt Ryan takes when I don't have them. I, I will say, uh, one more thing that I want to note before we take off. Uh, when I was chatting with Marcus smart at his team's practice for the basketball tournament, one thing that he was very pissed off about was the flagrant foul on Matt Ryan in summer league. And <laughs> and it it was a bad bad flagrant foul. Like Matt Ryan just jumped over basically someone up faked. I think that's how it went and Matt Ryan like jumped up and just crashed down on top of the guy. And it clearly wasn't intentional. Like it clearly really should not have been called a flagrant. But but Marcus Smart was so unhappy about that call. He was he was extremely unhappy about the flagrant foul call on Matt Ryan. So were you just talking to him to the side and like he brought it up, or is this like yeah, we, this we was were, at a we, separate gym, like like he or he is still fuming about it? Yeah. So this was I took a red eye back from Vegas, um, and the next day they had a practice in Boston. Smart. So Marcus Smart wasn't even in the building, and he was fuming about the call. He was. This is a bi-coastal fury. This was the next day, (laughs) and and we were just chatting about the summer league game, and uh, he (laughs) he was not happy about the flagrant foul. He was very complimentary of of Matt Ryan's shooting in general, Um, but man, he really fucking hated that flagrant foul call. So. I just, I just I've, thought the people should know that because obviously that's not something that's going to make it into my story, but it was, it cracked me up that he was just so against the foul call after watching the Celtics summer league game on TV. 
That's fantastic. And is the YGs, isn't the basketball tournament this year like a hot, like 64 teams? Haven't they expanded it like crazy? Yeah, it's 64 teams. I think it's been 64 teams for a little while. Um, they've already lost. They they lost oh. in round two. They uh, they had a talented team, but not a lot of defensive-minded guys <laughs> and uh, got beaten round two. Two of my my best friends were on the coaching staff. Uh, my old AAU coach was the head coach, so it it was like two worlds clashing for me. Well, and and they couldn't make it. That's too bad. Yeah, it, it was. It it was Kenny? Was it Kenny? Was Kenny on the staff? Kenny was on the staff. TJ was on the staff. My guys, Kenny and TJ. Yeah, those are two two up and comers. If anyone wants uh, some skills work some skills work from from some guys who have worked with nba players hit me up on twitter my dms are open and i will uh hook you up with kenny small and terrell hollins i can vouch for both of them being stand-up gentlemen uh and uh i recommend that the last thing jay you got a you got a wedding coming up correct uh because last time i saw you was at the nba finals and you, you were eating a massive bowl of ice cream from the ice cream machine at the finals. And you said you needed to get into wedding shape. So I'm curious how that's going for you. Uh, so uh, <laughs> my, my last men's league game, I, uh, I tweaked my neck and, Ugh. uh, it, it's been hurting. Like I haven't been able to really move, but today I got on the Peloton for 60 minutes. I am, I am starting to make that push that final push for the September 9th wedding. Like it's, it's starting to get crunch time. And, and as you know, from playing me one-on-one and what I did to you at the end of that one-on-one game, like once it hits crunch time, that's my time to thrive. So I'm, 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 I'll, I will be ready by the time September 9th arrives. That's a promise. Yeah. But the thing that you beat me with in, in that one pickup game was your large gut. And so if crunch time happens with my large gut, you that was the abuse that I took underneath was their sheer size, the sheer mass I was unable to deal with. My strength goes nowhere when I lose weight. I'm just I'm just thinner. I'm still I'm still a, a strong motherfucker who will destroy you in the post. Well, we've devolved into utter nonsense, but I didn't notice we had a, a, a listener on the line waiting to talk, Carrie D. So we'll finish this out with this one. Last call from Kerry. Kerry, thank you for joining us here on Anything is Potable. Nope, scared him away. All your talk about being a, 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 a whatever you said you were about yourself scared away the listeners, Jay. And so um, I guess my final question for you is, is, is oh, we, we got John in the queue now. We got John in the queue. Oh, well, John, it's your chance now to be the star. John, how are you doing? I'm doing great, but now after all that, I got a serious question. When's uh round two of this basketball match then? Sounds <laughs> like there's some stuff that needs to be settled. Anytime, any place this summer, I will play Jay King and I will lose to him, and it will be a good content for the listeners out there. What do you say to that, Jay? I'm in. Yeah, whenever. Whenever. <laughs> right, whenever thanks. my neck starts feeling better. I, I'm down. Oh, his Let- neck. Oh, he's too rotund to even turn his neck. Uh. 
<laughs> did John? Did John? You have another question besides that, or we just kick you off after so we could talk shit? I think that was yeah. a serious question, honestly. All right. Well, that's that's fair. Um, maybe. Uh, yeah. We'll we'll uh, get get back together and play some basketball. Hopefully, Jay King will be in shape so his uh, fiance, soon to be wife, isn't too upset with him and he doesn't ruin uh, all the wedding photos. I will be lovely by then. I will be a sight. I will be a specimen. I will be just perfect. Jay, is is getting svelte for your wedding so your wife uh, isn't upset with you? Is that potable? She wouldn't be upset with me anyway. She loves me for who I am. That's a great answer, my friend. And that's why you're marrying a queen. And uh, shout out to the the future Mrs. King. I was going to say she is potable, but generally uh, I don't think we should talk about her on the podcast. But you know what? She's a saint for uh, accepted you. uh, And uh, I think she's a a fantastic woman. And so that's just how I'm going to end the podcast here. All right. Shout out to uh, (laughs) Mrs. Future J. King. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.